everybody. Welcome to this episode of Train Like a Trooper. I'm your host, Sarah Stewart, along with my co-host, Trooper Eric Foster. And we have some guests here today from the Oklahoma First Responder Wellness Division. Uh, we, have, we have talked about this newly created division a, a little bit in the past, created through the legislature in this last year. And this, this new organization is going to be critical for the mental well-being of all, really all first responders in the state. The Highway Patrol is kind of taking the lead on, on getting this started. Um, and uh, Trooper Danny Long has kind of headed up uh, this initiative and, and this agency. And um, Danny, you guys have been in existence now for several months. Mm-hmm. Tell us kind of how it's going what you guys have been doing, what you're seeing. I know you, I know you're just sitting in an office doing nothing, right? Right. <laughs> Every day. Danny hasn't been busy at all, at all. No, so it's um, very busy times, but we've, uh, we've made a lot of strides in, in the last few months. Um, one of them, um, I mean, there's so much to talk about. We probably need to come back in and do another session for an update, but we've added some people to the team. Um, we've added Sarah Rankin recently, um, she's really doing a good job and, um, I, I kind of, I want to bring her in at some point to lay out what, what her mission is right now. And she has a pretty direct mission, um, and already seeing really good results from it. But another member we've brought on through an MOU and long term, this is how we're going to stand and grow this division is almost like a task, uh, how we would set up a task force. So we, we've done an MOU with OBN. Um, OBN assigned Jenna Mooneyham over to us, July 1, full-time. That's her only job. <clears throat> Jenna's been around a, a while. A lot of people know her around the state, in the western part of the state. I, I used to work with her a lot when I was at the Marshal Service. Um, another respected um, reliable uh, team member that that's you know another reason why we've reset this program Uh, and we've lined it with trusted members um, you know as a foundation to move forward so Jen has really been killing it over here you know since July 1 and and Stacy and I was talking earlier not I need to in, in, introduce Stacy, but um, um, Jenna, you know, coming in uh, to Highway Patrol is intimidating, and and I get that. Especially Jenna's a little bitty thing, um, probably weighs a hundred pounds with a coat on, <laughs> but you know, Jenna is, is really done well, and she sat back for a minute, taking everything in. We, we just finished a hero workout. For the admin officer uh, last Friday, and she was debating on whether or not to show up because you know most of our TAC team was there and um, a lot of other members from other agencies, and but she showed up and just killed it. So you know she's really doing a good job. Um, why are we here today? So I, I'm really happy to announce we're we're accomplished something that I I feel. Uh, is going to make an impact for our people. And I've said from day one, this this whole plan, the six-year plan, is for us, not our agency. Uh, the the agencies get a benefit from it, but the only reason I'm still here is 
because I, I believe in what we're doing and what we're trying to do. So Stacy Stevens is an LPC that I, I've known for several years now personally. And, and I've, I've also known her husband personally, who's in law enforcement. I'll let her talk about that in a second, but I just want to lay this out. Um, Stacy gets it. And, and one reason I went to her with this idea several months ago was I, I trust her and, and I, I know she's doing it for genuine reasons, just like we are at the wellness division. So here's what it's, here's what we've done. We've, um, just finalized a contract with Stacy to offer six free counseling sessions in a 12 month period for all of our commission members, troopers, uh, from the commissioner down <clears throat> to include our, uh, uh, communication officers. There's no paper trail. There's no copay. Um, this, this, you don't have to use her for the six sessions does not have to be about a job related issue. It can be personal. So, um, you know, and we've, we've also, uh, agreed that it would be ideally, um, important to be able to take your spouse if, if, there's an issue at home. So it's, it's just not secular when it comes to um, just, hey, it's gotta be a patrol related issue to get help. No. So, you know, and we're gonna reevaluate it uh, at the end of next year to, if we need to expand our services or not. Um, but before I get too much further into it, um, Stacy's here with me. I want her to introduce herself and tell her a little bit about her story and, and her personal background with this. Absolutely. So thank you all for having me. Um, again, my name is Stacy Stevens. I've been a licensed counselor for a little over 20 years. I started, actually, some of you may remember the old Bethany Pavilion, uh, Deaconess at Bethany. They had their psychiatric, their behavioral health unit on the sixth floor, and then moved over to the old Bethany Pavilion, which is where I started. Um, I got my bachelor's at Oklahoma State and then moved into my master's program at Southern Nazarene University, where I have a master's in marriage and family therapy. But I started at Deaconess as a case manager and then moved on as a therapist on their severely mentally ill unit. So that is where I got a lot of experience. From there, I met my husband, um, who currently is a United States Deputy Marshal, works here in Oklahoma City. But he was actually working with Dallas PD at the time. He started his law enforcement career with Oklahoma County then moved to Dallas, that's when we met. So once we got married, I worked at Green Oaks Behavioral Health Hospital. Um, I also did their, um, I was their court liaison. So I, I did this at Bethany too, but I handled all the EODs and um, went to court and did that in Dallas as well, but was also a therapist on, on their unit. So from there, my husband got on with the Marshal Service and we had to move to LA for three years. That was quite an experience. From there, we were able to finally get back home to Oklahoma where I started doing some contract work with different agencies. I then moved into private practice about 10 years ago. 
I would say currently I, well, I have a private practice in Shawnee now, but currently I have about 75% of my practice is first responder related law enforcement uh, specifically. But really how I started working with law enforcement was I think it was about 2013, my husband was involved in in a shooting. We had had multiple critical incidents prior to, but that was the big one for us. And the peer team from the marshal service came to our house and checked on us, made sure we were doing okay. At that time, they realized I was a licensed counselor and that really piqued their interest because uh, there's not a lot of people, um, counselor related, that get this job and, and the stressors of it and what it does to not only the officer, but families. So at that point, uh, Dr. Thomas um, invited me to help with the debriefs once the tornadoes hit that year. So I did, gosh, probably 10 or 20 debriefs with police departments. So before I knew it, I was involved. Um, and realize that, you know, I can give back and I, I get it. I tell people, I understand the stressors of this job and, and what it does to individuals and families because I've studied it, but I get it personally more than anything because I live it because it doesn't just impact the officer, it impacts families. So I thought, gosh, if I can help in some way, I want to. A lot of what officers deal with Um, I don't see as a life sentence, and I feel like by talking about things, it helps our brain process information, um, along with other therapies that I do and and things like that that I have found beneficial and that officers find beneficial. So that's really how I got started and have been working um, with a lot of different um, nonprofits and things like that since and in serving our law enforcement community. So being, I wonder how, what that's like for a first responder to be married to a licensed professional counselor. <laughs> is he like, is he, does he talk to you about stuff or is he like, stop psychoanalyzing me? All the time. <laughs> when we have our conversations, he's like, stop therapizing me. <laughs> that's what he says. <laughs> um, so t- tell us, are we, you know, a lot of times first responders don't want to talk about things or they see it as a weakness to go talk about something. Do you think we're turning a corner there? Are you seeing that more people are willing to do this and seeing the benefits and really that it's crucial? I definitely think that we're making progress. I think we have a long ways to go, but I think that, you know, things like Danny is doing and, and different departments around our state, um, I think it's really opening that door to show that we're all just human with same feelings and reactions and and things like that. And I really do think that once people realize they can open that door, they realize, gosh, I don't I don't have to live with this stuff. And I think it it has I think we've opened the door for sure. So I, I just want to follow up what she was saying and I want people to understand not, not just the wellness division team, but the, the people we're bringing on board. Um, you know, just like Stacy described, yes, yeah, she gets it from the theory side of things, from the educational point, but she's lived that life for a long time. And not just lived the life, because I've been involved with her husband on some of these critical incidents, and I know how bad it was for all of us and, and our, our spouses probably 
get it worse than we do when we go through something. And to have somebody like Stacy who not just understands the educational portion, but has been there, done that uh, as a spouse, that ties directly in with this whole new direction that I want to take the wellness division in because everybody on this team, you know, th there's a ton of more people qualified out here education-wise to be doing what I'm doing, and, and I get that. Uh, but where I feel like I, I bring relevance and every member of this team bring relevance bring that type of relevant uh, approach is that we've lived it every single one of us has been through very traumatic events then found a way um, not on our own but found a way and was willing to be vulnerable to, to get our life back and that's the image I, I me and I've told you all this before I want to narrow the gap and by narrowing the gap I mean we have to build trust in the system before we just lay down a bunch of education in front of us because it was laid down, um, it was given to me before. I just, I never wanted to listen to it. And there's a lot of guys and girls like me that when you're in the height of your career running and gunning, the last thing you want to sit and talk about is listening to some shirt tucker up on stage uh, tell you about, hey, uh, it's okay to cry. It's, and like, you know, I've just tuned that guy out. And I'm not trying to be rude or anything like that, but I'm just I'm being real about how I, I I went through my career and you know pushing all that stuff to the side. And we all know how that went. I mean, divorce and ended up sticking my rifle in my mouth. So I I, I really don't care if I offend people at this point. It, it, I'm not here for anybody else except I want to keep people healthy. Our people the first responder community and above all that i want to keep families together because I, that that is the downfall that was the downfall of me uh 100 when when i tried to fix all this stuff on my own it just backfired over and over and over so that's the only reason all of us are doing this and i say all of a sudden i mean stacy as well and i was very i mean People that know me know I'm very protective of what we're doing right now. And, you know, I, I know it's hard to, to reach out and go to counseling for the first time, but it, that's what we're trying to identify is like this is a necessary step to stay healthy in your career, just like we go do firearms training every year. I want this to be a shift in cultures. Like this is normal. It's normal to know that, you're gonna be changed by trauma. You're gonna be changed by this job if you stay in it for any amount of time. And this is preventative maintenance. Not waiting till you got a gun in your mouth, not waiting till you're going through a divorce to reach out to Stacy. We can prevent a lot of this ahead of time if, if we just allow ourselves to be vulnerable. And that that's, you know, I'll let her talk more about that. Well, and that's, that's what's different about it. You know, our whole careers, or at least mine, I've only been in 10 years. But in my whole career, we've never had problems with people standing up on stage and telling us things and opening books and things. That's not, that's not new. We've, we've heard that. That's not what this is all about. We, we recognize that that wasn't working, obviously. And so the, the other part of that is actually giving resources, but more than just on a 
critical incident. You know, a lot of times those resources wouldn't even show up until it was something that someone else deemed as terrible. When there are other little factors that play into it your whole career uh, that start to affect families. And we've started to realize, obviously, that if families are affected, then troopers and deputies and police officers and firefighters start to be affected in their jobs just on the family area. There's no way around that. There's no way around it. And so that's what's different about what we're doing here is, right. is not just the education portion and not just the giving resources portion, but the giving the resources from the beginning, not just when someone, you know, in a policy and procedure manual says, oh, this is critical. Uh, it, uh, you know, different things are critical to different people. And so, uh, I, you know, I'm proud of what we're doing. I, you know, on a, you know, I'm PIO, so I show up when the media shows up. And every time I'm out there on a media thing, uh, I'm seeing Wellness Division on all these scenes. And, you know, that's something that we hadn't seen before. And so even when there's just small things where, you know, uh, troopers, at least on the Highway Patrol side, are starting to realize, you know, there there's more than just talk behind it. Well, and, you know, I, I want to stay on point of what we're doing, but you bring up a good point. So we're, we're trying to get ahead of these problems. Can't, can't fix everything. I, I understand that. We all do at this table. But... For instance, Sarah uh, Rankin, one area that's been neglected was our dive team. Well, I, I haven't taken the time to learn how they actually recover bodies up until a few weeks ago because, and you know, this is going to sound bad, but I mean, back in my day when I was on the road, when there was a drowning or something, I went and watched these guys from the bank. They would throw a treble hook down and drag and hook a body and drag it up like a fish. And I thought that's what we're still doing, you know, which is really, it's not pretty, you know, and well, no. So our dive team members took it upon themselves, how much these guys care, not just, but I mean, it kind of hit me right in the mouth when I learned what they were doing now because they want to put humanity back in the recovery because you got family members on the shore waiting for the body of their family to be pulled up. So they didn't want them to see their family member getting treble hooked, pulled up, and drug alongside of the boat back to shore. So they've chosen go down, bear hug the body, then come up with them. So they're, they're hugging the body for a long time, even when they're up at the surface. And I'm at, they're telling me that, and I'm like, oh, wow. That that's I did not know y'all were doing that. So what we've done, I'm like these guys are they're they're taking a lot, and I mean there's always kids that are drowning every summer, and you know just recently that's we went to spend some time with them. It it affects them, you know, because they they feel guilty. I mean they all have kids, and um, so what I've done went to Sarah and explained to Sarah the importance of what they're doing and how they're doing it. So every time there's a dive mission that comes out, it goes straight to her. She's monitoring the situation. If, if we know there's a body that's going to be recovered, she's reaching out to them people immediately, not, not waiting for them to call. Mm -hmm. So she's the direct line uh, to them. And, and we're slowly standing that up, same response to other high-risk components of the patrol.
assigning one member so they know who their contact is immediately. I mean, they can contact any of us, right? right. Um, it's not about an ego thing with this, um, but they have a direct line that somebody's checking up on them every time they, they're putting hands on a dead body. So yeah. already got good responses from that. Yeah, that's great. Well, and you're talking about resources and providing resources. Uh, this is a huge resource, I feel like, that, that we're providing. Oh, yeah. And not only, we've already found the person that you say is uniquely qualified for this. We've already found her for you. We're providing these six sessions completely free. So right. they don't even have to provide any proof of insurance, nothing. Nothing. And, and that's the other thing. I want to make the roadmap to her as easy as possible to get to her without any obstructions, any possible um, anxiety about, Hey, somebody's going to find out I'm going to Stacy. We've worked it out. So it's totally up to you. And Stacy, do you want to kind of talk about that part, how, how they get to you? Absolutely. So I have, you can call my, my office number, which, um, we're going to provide wanna, okay. all of her information. Okay. Or you can email me directly. You don't even have to go through the wellness unit, contact me directly. We'll set up an appointment, and I do not give any information back to the patrol, not the wellness unit. At the end of the month, I do send um, a date of service, but I don't tie a name to it, um, any identifying information. I think it's really important we keep everything confidential. The whole point is to build trust that they feel they can have somebody to come and talk to and not think that it's going to you know, bleed out to anywhere else. And I think that's going to be really good for these officers, knowing that they have somebody they can trust and it's completely confidential. I also wanted to bring up what both of you were talking about as far as I think a lot of times people think, well, I haven't been in a shooting, so I don't think I really need to go talk to anybody. Um, I disagree, of course, um, only because this job, there's cumulative trauma and cumulative stress, and it might be... Um, a police chase that, you know, your adrenaline's going and, and that puts a lot on somebody. Um, but you think, I don't need to go talk to anybody about that. But you had 10 of those plus, like you were talking, somebody from the dive team, seeing something like that, being involved. It may not be one incident and it may not be a shooting, but it could be cumulative things that really start impacting people. So I think I look at this as being proactive instead of reactive, um, emptying your bucket along the way. I do have people that come in and say, I really don't have any one thing. I just kind of need to talk. And I'm like, hey, I'm your person. So I want people to know you don't have to have that, quote, major event to open this door. It's, you know, to, to empty it out along the way. Well, and, and that's the culture shift. Just, just, and I explained it, just like we qualify with firearms every year, we do maintenance with firearms, we shoot our firearms, we do maintenance. We change oil in our car, we get X amount of miles on it. We don't change oil, it's going to break down. Th this is how we need to start looking at this, and this is what I want for us going forward in the future, not waiting till the wagon's on fire dumping out that trauma throughout the year i mean this is it i mean we've given people an underhanded softball to hit out of the park for themselves they just have to take the initiative to, to go do it no paper trail no no copay she, i'm going to say it again uh just to reiterate she's 
Stacy is not reporting any of the names or information back to us. All, all I'm going to receive is the invoice. That's it on a data service. So there's no excuse now for people not to take advantage to help themselves and their family. You want to talk about some of the techniques that you use, Stacy? Absolutely. Um, so cognitive behavioral therapy, which is just talk therapy, really. The more we talk about things, the more our brain can process information. Um, so I believe in that. And But I have taken it a step further in my training, and I am certified in EMDR. I know a lot of people from the patrol are familiar with that, but it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So that is a trauma-based therapy. It is the most researched um, trauma-based therapy out there. We use that for just reprocessing the, the images, the sounds, the smells that tend to get stuck in our brain when we deal with, with what you all deal with, um, sometimes on a daily basis. So, but we also use that type of technique. I use that type of technique for installing uh, relaxation techniques and things to calm the nervous system. So those are really the two big ones that, that I focus on. But again, it really does go back to just being able to empty your bucket and be able to process um, the stressors of this job. And I think Danny said this in the, the beginning, it's not just job related. There's stuff at home too. Um, stuff at home impacts job. Stuff at job impacts home. So um, I think it's important that we identify both those areas. And we talked about how you're not going to be, no identifying information is going to make its way back to the patrol, back to the wellness division, but you are going to maybe kind of identify um, some, some key things that you're seeing. Like if you're seeing a lot of addiction issues, a lot of anxiety issues, and kind of, and then that can help the patrol in knowing where we need that education or maybe some areas of concern that we need to be focusing on. Sure. I think Danny, from what I've under, understood from him, you know, his vision is um, kind of this, this whole approach on how can we, uh, you know, work to get the entire, you know, patrol in a healthier place. And one way to do that is what are our common themes? What are, what are we seeing in, in our officers? You know, are we seeing more addiction? Are we seeing more about PTSD, uh, you know, family issues, things like that? So we did talk, you know, quarterly. Uh, I would meet with the wellness unit and just say, hey, here are some things that I'm seeing. Maybe these are some areas that we need to work on through the wellness unit, um, you know, amping up some training in these areas. So that is really the, the only input I will be giving on a quarterly basis. We have meetings and, and follow-ups about that. But as far as, you know, identifying information about each individual, that will not be disclosed in any way. And I know that's going to be, I mean, some people have anxiety about that. They, they don't want to be uh, tracked as far as um, when they, they want to reach out for help, but they don't want anyone to know. So, again, to reiterate, because I know this is going to be brought up again, Stacy's not going to be sharing any of the personal details. Um, we will not know who's going to her um, or how often. <clears throat> like I said, the only thing we're going to receive from Stacy is a monthly invoice of data service. So, trust me, I... 
I, I've been I'm looking at this for years, and I, I want to make the road to get help as uh, easy as possible and trusted as possible because that, that's why I never went. There was not a safe place to go. So when we started talking about doing this, I'm like, this, this is priority number one. I want to get people to understand that this, this is a trusted place uh, to reach out to and a trusted mechanism to get to her. So I don't know how else we can make it any easier and trusted, uh, you know, and if, but if there is something we need to change in 12 months, we will reevaluate and, and if we can do something better, we're going to. And to piggyback off of that with confidentiality, I do not have an office anywhere near the um, the patrol. My, I, I have a private practice out in Shawnee, and I know some people are like, ooh, that seems like a, a long ways away. Um, I do get feedback that it's really nice because I'm completely separate. Um, takes a little while to get out there, but sometimes that's part of it, kind of processing what am I going to talk about, and then after we visit, kind of processing what we did talk about once you leave. I also do telehealth, so I, I use a platform that is HIPAA compliant, completely confidential, so that is always an option for the six sessions as well. You don't have to come to the office. It's really easy to use. Uh, obviously, a lot of people kind of got connected with that during COVID, so uh, I use it, use it a lot. And we're seeing good results from that, Oh, absolutely. Right? I can also do the EMDR. That's a big question that I have. Can we use the eye movements? And um, we use bilateral stimulation of the brain when we do that. And can we do that on a telehealth platform? And absolutely, we can do that. And I've had really good results with it. So how, how do we set this up? And what are your options to get to her? And she just covered it as far as telehealth or in person so none of this works without support at our very top and we've had nothing but support um, like I've never seen here in the past as, as far as not just to show but they, they want to see a difference in our people um, so uh, sat down with the chief and commissioner um, many times as we were putting this together and so here's some options. Here are your options to get to her. And, and we're going to be putting out all of Stacy's info in an email. We'll be blasting it out repeatedly. So um, option one is to contact us. If this is scheduling. You can contact a member of the wellness division to schedule, um, help you uh, introduce you to Stacy and to set up your first initial, or you can go directly to her. How do you get to her? If you want to do an in-person, you, you have a couple of options here. Chief and Commissioner has agreed that this is the priority, and so you're going to be able to drive your unit um, for these six visits if you choose to do so. If you choose to drive your unit, though, you will have to contact me directly so I can remove you from the schedule um, privately um, to get to Stacy, and and nobody will know. I won't be calling your command to tell them, "Hey, I need Trooper Smith off the road. She's got a counseling appointment." That's not what I'm going to say. So I'll discreetly ask 
that you be removed for October 1st, just for an instance, October 1st, I need you in Oklahoma City from 10 to, 10 to noon. And at that point, no other questions will be asked. Uh, we're gonna do everything possible to, to make sure we're not interfering with schedules as much as we can. And, you know, but again, um, we want people to schedule out when it's appropriate. And we'll look at every case um, as they come in as, as far as necessity and response time. But um, if you choose to drive your unit, you will have to contact myself um, and for me to work that out. Your other option is to drive your POV. Um, and, and if you choose to do that, you only need to contact Stacy to set, set your initial visit up and um, it will all be done confidentially through her at that point. So am I missing anything on that? No, I don't think so. The one thing I wanted to add, if we need to exceed the six sessions, um, you know, sometimes people may not use all the sessions, but we may, you know, want to, to go further. If that is the case, um, you and I, the, the trooper and I, will discuss how we want to do that as far as reimbursement. Um, I, I don't take all insurances, so I may not be taking that insurance, but at that point it could be a private pay or uh, it may be, you know, hey, you know, I can refer you to somebody who takes that insurance. But I think that's just something, a bridge we could cross when and if we get there Absolutely. on an individual basis. And, and, you know, and I don't want to go too far into it right now, but there there could be some other options for that if we need to push past the six that I'm looking at right now. I just can't officially say anything about it as far as, hey, yeah, we're going to cover you past six. But, um, I mean, we're going to evaluate as this thing goes forward to determine, you know, if we need to add more, less, whatever. Um, but I, I just want people to start taking advantage of this free service that costs you nothing and won't even cost you guests if you choose to go that route with your um, driving your unit. Also, Danny, I want to add that when if somebody's involved in an officer-involved shooting or a critical incident that requires a post-individual debrief, then that is not included in their six sessions. Right. Yeah, anything department-related that we can tie back to um, a recent um, on-duty um, event, it, 100%. It's not going to count against you. So... Uh, that's totally separate, um, won't come out of your six at all. And if it is an individual debrief, it does need to be done in person um, yes. instead of by telehealth. Right. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, anything duty-related, we're, we're going to send you on the department um, dime to a Stacy um, immediately. So, that this, yeah, it, all those incidents have to be in person. Well, this is huge. What what you guys are doing? I think this is going to be great for the department. I know you've got you've got lots of planes. You've got a year one, year two, year three, and on out. But this, I think, this is huge. This is this is great, and our hope is that every single trooper out there will take advantage of this. I hope they do. And, and you know, our our comms people, um, yes. we, we we they get pushed to the side a lot, and I just got to brag on them real quick. So. You know, we just lost uh, two deputies in the last seven days. Um, 
Monday, uh, when the Oklahoma County deputies was, was shot and killed, um, of course, we were all activated um, working with Oklahoma City's team of serving Oklahoma County. But I kept on getting calls from our comp center as they were updating me on the event as it was unfolding. And the, the 100% those people get pushed to the side because we think, hey, they're tucked in a safe environment. They're, they're fine. And I, I, every call that they, they would hit me up with to give me an update, I could hear it in their voices. It was changing. It went from a shot to the next several calls. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. Not looking good. He's he passed away, and it just progressively got worse. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, we were all assigned to the families because we were still, um, you know, trying to get people to the hospital. And I'm like, I'll I'll, I'll circle back to the. Uh, calm people and you know I'm at the hospital and I don't remember who calls me and says hey we're taking our entire team that we can pull from our shift and we're good to go set with um, Oklahoma County Dispatch I wanted to do that but we were just maxed out on every single one of us at the wellness division all this every member at Oklahoma City um, their peer team we all had specific missions we were doing that day. And I'm like, man, I wish, I wish I could go with them, you know, but they were taking care of their own people. And that was really huge. And I think they rolled up over there in a van and just went and sat with them, you know? So um, they, they do, they get, I don't think intentionally get pushed to the side a lot, but they do. Uh, and it really doesn't matter if it's intentional or not. And that's why I 100% wanted to include all of our communications officers in this because that vicarious trauma that they hear every day of calls coming in, you know, and the delay from when the trooper or whoever they're talking to is working the scene, their mind, just like ours, go to worst case scenario. Then when it, even when it turns out okay, that, that worst case scenario is still in their head and they get off their shift and... You know, it's no different from us. So I really want, I encourage our communications officers to really, I really want them to take advantage of this, that this is for all of us together. So um, I know there's gonna be questions about what we're doing. That's fine, reach out to us. Um, every member of the wellness team has a very good understanding of, of what we're doing and how to get things set up with Stacy. I just don't, I don't want any roadblocks. Um, and if they don't feel comfortable going through the wellness unit, you'll put out my email, yes. phone number, please contact me directly, um, confidentially, and I'll answer any questions. Great. Yes, we're going to be putting out, and I'll probably have you even um, add to our email, just to follow up kind of what we talked about today, sure. as a reassurance to, of the confidentiality, of what, what we're doing, what it looks like. Um, and how this is beneficial for them and their families. Absolutely. So everybody will have Stacy's info. All right. Um, I want to say this. She's not a crisis center. All right. She she's not just like us. We're human beings. We have to have sleep. We have to have rest. 
even though it's our full-time job. Um, now, if somebody's in crisis, I'm going to answer the phone and I'm going to talk to you. If you're not on fire or if somebody's not on fire and you're calling me at midnight, I'm probably going to be like, hey, I'll find out what's going on. I'll return the call the following morning. So th this is not a crisis center. And I just want everybody to understand that. Um, we have to have boundaries also. Um, again, I mean, I, I always answer the phone call, but I may just delay it. And, and I, I tell that of the team also. So if you're reaching out to somebody on the team at 10 o'clock at night just to have a conversation with them, we all have families uh, also. We're going to talk to you, but we may just push it until the next day. Unless it's a true crisis event, then we're always going to come. Yeah. So I just want to make sure everybody is aware of that. Well, we appreciate both of you coming on the podcast. This is a great thing that we're doing. We hope this really takes off. And as we said, there will be more information coming out. And, Danny, I know you've told us that this is going to be tweaked and evaluated and there, there's even better things that are, that are coming down the pike. So Yes, definitely. All right. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.